My, 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 nobody like you, Lord. Nobody like the Lord. And man, when you think about how good God has been, how good God is, and you can give him some anticipatory praise on how good he will be based on his track record. Man, I remember that old mother in the church hollering, who wouldn't serve a God like this? Hallelujah. Come on, let's go to God in prayer and ask God's blessings on our time. Father, thank you for your word. I pray now that everything that we do and say will be pleasing in your sight. Let your word find fertile ground in the hearts and minds of your people that we would be more than just hearers of your word. and We would be doers as well. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. The first known use of this phrase is recorded in 1944. The phrase is booster shot. Uh, it was used to describe an additional supplementary dose of a immunizing agent, such as a vaccine or a toxoid, given at a time after the initial dose to sustain the immune response elicited by the first dose. Uh, it was given periodically to boost someone's immune system. There are several vaccines that we take pretty regularly. Uh, for example, the tetanus and diphtheria vaccine is recommended for adults every 10 years. That would be considered a booster shot. Uh, that same vaccine is recommended for all women during each of their pregnancies so that immunity can be transferred to that carrying infant in their womb. Uh, depending on your age, you may have gotten an MMR booster, measles, mumps, and rubella. You may have gotten that vaccine and gotten that second shot later on, depending on your age. Uh, th these vaccines, these, these booster shots, are in essence to make sure that the first dose remains effective. As a matter of fact, we've heard some talk even about booster shots in recent months surrounding COVID-19 vaccinations. And there are some who are suggesting because of variants coming out of England and coming out of South America and coming out of South Africa, and now there's a new variant that is running uh, and wrecking havoc across the uh, continent of, of India. Uh, there are those who are saying, uh, as, as it moves across the country, that, that India now is, is in that, that place where uh, booster shots may be necessary in order for them to be able to weather this storm over a long-term time frame. Let me ask you a question. I don't know how you feel about vaccines, how you feel about shots. I don't know if you have gotten your vaccines or not. I have. But you may be one of those people who has chosen not to get a vaccine. But here's what I want to ask you. What do you do when your spirit needs a booster shot? What do you do when your spirit is battered and beaten and tattered and torn and, and you're just worn down, you're just 
worn out in your spirit. In our text today, there was a man who was facing a family crisis. It was a crisis for which he could find no relief, he could find no solution. Uh, He made his way to all and no one could help him. He made his way to the disciples and they could not help him. And he finally makes his way to Jesus and Jesus is able to help him. Today, for a few moments, I want to talk to you from the thought, what to do when your belief needs a boost? What to do when your belief needs a boost? My brothers and sisters, I just told you several uh, days ago, now about two weeks ago, um, I got some really, really hard news, and it was actually more than one, one hard news. It was several, two or three things that came at me, uh, some from family issues, some from family members, and some coming through our church community, and then we had a couple of deaths at, as well. And I, I, I got to tell you, man, I, I felt like I was at rock bottom. I felt like I was at rock bottom. Uh, I began to pray and I began to ask God, God, why are you letting this happen? You, you know what we're trying to do. You know how we're helping to change people's lives. We are committed to being the people that you have called us to be. God, we are an imperfect people serving you, a perfect God. But, but God, why are you letting this happen? And I had to be reminded that there comes a point in your life when your belief in the Lord will be tested, when you will be challenged and you have to go to God and find your way back to that place of faith. Our text today is Mark chapter 9, beginning at verse 14. It's a very familiar passage to those of you who are Bible readers, but if you're not, stay with me because I have a word for you today on how to boost your belief. When you're at a point where you are doubting, when you are at a place when you are questioning God, when you're trying to figure out how to get up after you have fallen down, God, how how can we get help from you? Here's the first thing I want you to see. Number one, you need to realize it's normal in life to have your faith challenged. It's normal in life to have your faith challenged. Mark chapter 9, beginning at verse 14, the New King James version of the Bible says, and when he came to the disciples, he saw a great multitude around them and scribes disputing with him. Immediately when they saw him, all the people were greatly amazed and running to him, greeted him. And he asked the scribes, what are you discussing with them? Then one of the crowd answered and said, teacher, I brought you my son who has a mute spirit, and wherever it seizes him, it throws him down. He foams at the mouth, gnashes his teeth, and becomes rigid. So I spoke to your disciples that they could cast it out, but they could not. He answered and said, O faithless generation, how long shall I be with you, and how long shall I bear with you? Bring him to me. Then they brought him to him. 
And when he saw him, immediately the spirit convulsed him, and he fell on the ground and wallowed, foaming at the mouth. Jesus is walking in the midst of a faithless crowd. Uh, And the tragedy is that the faithlessness, the spiritual weakness, some might deem it spiritual immaturity, was not only present in the people who didn't know Jesus, but it was present in the people who did know Jesus. The disciples were hapless. The multitude, they were helpless. Having no faith brought sorrow to Jesus. He literally grieved because of not just the condition of this boy, but even more so the condition of those who are around him. And he literally says to them, how long have I been with you? Haven't I been with you enough for you to understand who I am and understand what I expect from you and understand what I have empowered you to do? He says, haven't I been with you enough? How how long do I have to suffer with you, bear with you, put up with you, deal with your spiritual weakness and your spiritual immaturity? My brothers and my sisters, I I don't know about you, but to me that would be a scary thing to hear from the Lord. For, For the Lord to allow a test to come into your life, for the Lord to see a challenge come into your life, and instead of you being able to stand strong against it, you whimper and cower or talk about what you cannot do. Now, can I be honest with you? When things were coming at me and it seemed like it was one thing after another, two things at a time, uh, man, I, I just had a, I had a time where, where I just felt like, man, I just, I just needed just to kind of break down. I mean, it was just so much that I felt was on me. And, and I've got to tell you, at that moment, I wasn't thinking about what to give to God. I wasn't thinking about what to trust God with. I was dealing with my own flesh and my own ego and my inability to bear up to what was going on. Listen to me carefully. This crowd was all around him, and none of them had the faith to address what this man was dealing with, and none of them had the faith to see the solution in Jesus. You've got to be careful When you're going through things in life, when you're going through challenges in life, you've got to be careful who you surround yourself with, who you allow into your personal space. Uh, One one of the points of encouragement for me was our our staff meeting. Uh, When when I came to the staff meeting, uh, we have a normal agenda, and I interrupted that agenda just to share what was on my heart and and my heart was heavy, and, and I can't tell you how the brothers and sisters on that call ministered to me. That some, some of them repeated my sermons to me and report, re- repeated points that I have made that encouraged them. They repeated those points to me. Some of them began to share 
their own testimony of how they had gone through some difficult times and, and how God had remained faithful and came through just when they needed him the most. And I was reminded in one of these situations, we were told that we have a 4 to 6% chance of being successful, a 4 to 6% chance of being successful. And I began to ask God in my flesh, God, why are you making us go through this? And then it was in the spirit when God said to me, the odds for you are better than they were for the Hebrew boys. And you need to rejoice that even if I don't save you, I'm still able. Somebody ought to put in the chat, I'm glad he's able. I'm glad he's able. Every one of us will come to a point in life when our belief is tested and tried to the place where we feel more unbelief than belief. You remember that's what that father prayed. He said, Lord, I believe, but help my unbelief. Have you ever been to that place? Where in the midst of your unbelief, you knew you believed, but you still were struggling with unbelief? James chapter 1, beginning at verse 2, Count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds, for you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfast, steadfastness, and let steadfastness have its full effect, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. Here's the second thing I want you to see today. You must acknowledge and address your moments of spiritual weakness if you are going to receive God's blessings in your life. You must acknowledge and address your moments of spiritual weakness if you are going to receive God's blessings in your life. Jesus asked for them to bring the, the child of this father to him. They bring him. And then Jesus asked the father a question, verse 21, how long has this been happening to him? And he said, from childhood. And often he was thrown into both, him both into the fire and into the water to destroy him. Listen to the father. But if you can do anything, have compassion on us and help us. There was not a single person present who could help the desperate child or the desperate father. The disciples couldn't help him. The crowd couldn't help him. The scribes, the religionists couldn't help him. The crowd was too unspiritual. The disciples were ineffective and powerless. The religionists were self-centered and critical. But the father, even though he was spiritually helpless, makes his way to Jesus. He does what nobody else does. He goes to the Lord. He asks God. He, he acknowledges his problem, his situation. And he goes to God and is transparent with the Lord regarding where he is and how he's feeling. You know, my brothers and sisters, one of the things we have to learn how to do is to be transparent with God. I hear people all the time say, well, you know, no, no, don't say that. You, you don't want to claim that. You don't want, listen, you don't have to claim it for it to be your reality. 
And the truth of the matter is, it's hard for you to ask God to address something that you will not acknowledge. It's hard for you to ask God to deliver you from something that you will not claim is holding you down or holding you back. The Father says, if if you can, if you can do anything, have compassion on us and help us. Jesus says to him, if you can believe, verse 23, all things are possible to him who believes. Verse 24, immediately the father of the child cried out and said with tears, Lord, I believe, help my unbelief. This almost seems paradoxical. It it appears at first to be a conundrum, an oxymoron. How, How can I believe and then need help with my unbelief? And it's as if the writer of scriptures is saying to you and saying to me, the Holy Spirit is saying to you and saying to me, you will have a time in your life where you will be in that paradoxical place. You will have a time in your life where you believe, but you will have some unbelief. You will have to balance your belief and trust in God with what you are currently facing. And can you believe him now? Now, if you ask me, am I a person of faith, I would answer and say, yes, I think I'm a person of faith. But here's what I've learned. Because faith is a muscle, a spiritual muscle that's developed and not a package that's delivered, faith can be tried and tested no matter how long you've been walking with Jesus. Lord, have mercy. Let me put a quarter of a meter and park there because somebody, you need to get that. Your faith can be tested and tried no matter how long you've been working, walking with Jesus. Let me see if I can help you. So I've been going to physical therapy for about the last three months or so and uh, still struggling to do some of the things that I did before I tore my quadricep muscle before I had that major surgery. But I can see and feel the progress I've made. It's obvious, it's evident, right? I've I've made progress. Still not where I used to be, but I've made progress. So one of the exercises that they had me doing was a wall squat. And that simply means you you lean up against the wall with your back against the wall, uh, you move your feet out, about shoulder width apart, and then you just squat down leaning against the wall, and you're basically putting all of the pressure on your quadricep muscles, right? And so I was doing a wall sit, and they started with that wall sit at 20 seconds. And man, that 20 seconds was, seemed like it was forever. I mean, it was killing me. Like 20 seconds. I was like, oh my God, 20 seconds, man. I don't know if I can do this. And then after I got used to doing 20 seconds, my therapist said, okay, let's, let's take it up to, uh, to 25 seconds. 25 seconds. You can do 25 seconds. And I'm like, oh, my God, man, three sets of, of 25, man. And, and then, then, then my therapist came back and said, you know what? Today I want you to do four sets at 30 seconds. I was like, man, four sets at 30 seconds? Now, listen to me carefully. Every time she went up in the time, it was a greater test, right? I can do 20 seconds now without a problem. 
But guess what? Doing 20 seconds now would not develop me at the rate that I want to be developed. It will not strengthen me at the rate that I want to be strengthened, right? And so now I'm up to uh, three sets of 45 seconds. They got me doing three sets of 45 seconds. And I'm thinking to myself, boy, it sure would be nice to go back to 20 seconds, right? But going back to 20 seconds would be easier, but it wouldn't develop me. Here's my point. I don't care how much faith you have. There is always another, another level of faith that you can get to. I don't care how long you've been walking with Jesus. If you have been walking with Jesus and you have gotten to a certain place of faith in terms of your faith in God, don't make the mistake of thinking God can't test your faith where you are right now. Now, the test of your past may be easy, just like me doing a wall sit for 20 seconds would be easy, but guess what? More time can be added on the clock. More tests can come your way. And you have to understand that when God brings that test your way, right? When God brings that test your way, he is doing it to develop you. Man, can I tell you something? And, and I'm going to close with this, but, but I need you to hear me today. I need you to hear me today. I, I was tested at a place that I've never been tested at before. It, it was like God said, okay, you can handle this, and you can handle this if they came individually and separately and at different times. But can you handle this and this at the same time? And then it's like, okay, God says, okay, man, you know what, Cofield, I, your faith, you, you've been growing in your faith. I, I, see, I see where you've been growing in your faith. Now, can you handle this, this, and this at the same time? And let me, let, me, let me throw this on you and throw this on you and throw this on you. Oh, and I got two more things I'm going to throw at you. Let me bring some other stuff to you that, that has nothing to do with you. It's a family issue, but you need to address it. Let me bring that to you as well. You know, people will mistakenly say, God won't put more on you than you can bear. <laughs> And that is absolutely a lie from the pit of hell. I, I'm not saying that everybody who says it is lying. I'm saying that there are people who say it who really don't understand. No, God will put more on you than you can bear. He will put more on you than you can bear so you will be driven to seek him. The father said, Lord, I believe, can you help my unbelief. The father needed a booster for his belief. Sometimes you have to ask the Lord to help boost your belief in the midst of your unbelief. See, here's what we need to understand. Unbelief is debilitating to you as a child of God. Unbelief will cripple you. Unbelief will rip you apart. And many times, God wants to strengthen your belief and your fortitude to trust him. And you have to recognize that when you get to that place, and it is too much for you to bear, that you can go to God and say, God, I believe, but God, I need you to help me with my unbelief. 
See, see, unbelief will keep you from seeing the power of God move fully in your life. You don't believe me? Look at Matthew 13. Matthew 13, verse 58. And he did not do many mighty works there because of their unbelief. Because of their unbelief. Unbelief will keep you from seeing the power of God fully manifested and moving in your life. But can I tell you something else? Unbelief will keep you from completing the great things you have started in your life. Those great things that God has got you started, guess what? If unbelief creeps in on the way to finishing what God has called you to do, you will stop where you are and never complete the task that God has laid out for you. Matthew chapter 14, Peter can testify. The Bible says in verse 31, Jesus immediately reached out his hand and took hold of him, saying to him, O you of little faith, why did you doubt? It's as if Jesus says to Peter, Peter, you believed, you trusted, you began to walk on water. You were taking steps on a liquid sidewalk. And then in the midst of walking on the water, you stopped believing. And you began to sink. How is it that you doubted? That you began to disbelieve what you heard me say. Look at Mark 4 verse 40. He said to them, why are you so afraid? Have you still no faith? Why are you so afraid? Are you still with no faith? Listen to me carefully, and then I'm going to let you go, and we'll finish this up. Unbelief is rooted in either your ignorance of what God can do or temporary amnesia that causes you to forget what God has done. Either you're ignorant and you don't know what the Lord can do, or you have just forgotten temporarily what God can do. For me, it was temporary amnesia that was manifesting itself in spiritual insanity. I'm, I'm just being honest with you. Man, I, I literally what was so down, I, my wife was, she was asking me, what's wrong? Is there anything I can do? It's hard to see this way. And, and, and here's, what, here's what God showed me. And I'm going to get here next. I'm going to get here next with the next point. But here's what God showed me. All that I was going through and all that I was feeling was simply because I was not trusting in him. I was not trusting in him. Remember what I said about the three Hebrew boys? They said, you got a 4 to 6% chance of being successful. And I was, man, I was upset. I'm, I'm mad at God about the 96% chance of failing. I'm mad at God because we got a 94 to 96% chance of failing. And the Holy Ghost says, your odds are better than the three Hebrew boys. And what God reminded me, and I want to remind somebody today is that when you get to a place of unbelief, it's because you are at a place where you are exercising what if fear instead of even if faith. 
See, a what-if fear thinks about all of the possible things that could happen, none of which tend to be good. But an even-if faith says like the three Hebrew boys, even if God doesn't do it, I know he can. And I'm going to trust him even when I get thrown in the flames. There's somebody today, you're in the flames. You may be suffering privately, nobody may know. You may not feel comfortable sharing. But this word was for you. Put it in the chat if you will. Just say, this word was for me today. Because I believe there's somebody who needs to know that even in your belief, unbelief can show up. And there can be a battle going on, and the Lord can help you with your unbelief. I'm going to finish this message next time. Let's go to God in prayer. Father, thank you and bless you for today. And I pray now that everything that we've done and said has been pleasing in your sight and has brought glory and honor to you. Um, Pray, God, that fertile ground has been found and that the fertile ground where your word has been planted would germinate and become great fruit. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. If you're watching right now, I want to thank you for being with us today. And I want to thank you for the privilege of your time and giving me an opportunity to share with you from the Word of God what God has shared with me. If you need the Lord in your life, if you've never asked the Lord into your life, maybe situations and circumstances have driven you to a place where you're saying, you know what, I need God in my life. If you go to our link, go to our website, go to our app and click on the button, I want to accept Christ, but how? I will show you privately how to ask the Lord into your life. You can follow the steps, repeat the prayer, and I believe if you pray that prayer sincerely from your heart, that the Lord will come in and take up residence in you. If you have accepted Christ and you want to know what the next steps are, you can click the button that says, I just accepted Christ, now what? And we have five things that we recommend that you do in order to begin your walk with the Lord. And we are committed to and preparing to help facilitate your discipleship on the digital platform. And we thank you for that opportunity. If you're looking for a church home and you say, I want to join the church, click on the button that says, I want to join the church. And uh, we will uh, show you how uh, you can be part of the church virtually. Those of you who live in the Houston metropolitan area, many of you have said to me, you know, Pastor, I can't wait to come back to church. Or some have said, you know what, I'm not a member, but I'm going to join as soon as we come back. And that's fine. You can do that. Um, But for those of you who are in one of 134 countries, if you'd like to make a commitment of your time, your talent, your treasure, your temple, and your testimony to being part of this church family, we would love to have you be part of our church family, and we would love to help you in your walk with the Lord. Speaking of 134 different countries, I want to thank all of you who are watching 
both near and far across the globe. Please send us an email and let us know who you are and where you are. Um, if, if you're listening and you understand English, but you may not be uh, well-versed to write in English, uh, write us in your native language and, and we'll translate it. Uh, but we want to do whatever we can to encourage you and pray for you in your walk with the Lord. And we want to thank you for being with us. I want to thank all of our volunteers who have been um, participating over this last year. Um, we, we're approaching over 600,000 pounds of food. Um, I got to get the calculations, but I know we're right there. And we've been helping hundreds, thousands of people addressing issues of food insecurity and COVID testing and COVID vaccines. As a matter of fact, this, this past week, we just completed uh, COVID vaccinations for those who got the Moderna vir uh, vaccine here on our campus. And we completed that this past week. And we're grateful and thankful to the Lord for the various partnerships that we have been able to establish in order to help people have accessibility to the vaccine, those who wanted to take it. Now, there are six ways that you can worship the Lord in giving. I want to thank you for your faithfulness in giving. Those of you who are members and some of you who are not members, but you just feel led to partner with us, thank you. Uh, I really, really appreciate that. And I want you to know what you are giving is going to the kingdom work to help change the lives of men and women, boys and girls. I want to thank those of you who have been faithful in your giving of the 149th anniversary gifts. Um, those of you who have given for that, um, we have a special treat. Matter of fact, I got a call on yesterday and talked to one of our members who was really, really appreciative of the 149th anniversary gift that we gave. Uh, it is a video history of our church. Uh, it's just over an hour long, man, but it is so powerful. As you see the role that the Good Hope Missionary Baptist Church has played in changing lives locally, nationally, and internationally. I mean, literally, you will see the great work that God has done through this church over our 149-year history. So for those of you who would like to give, still like to give your church anniversary gift, you are certainly welcome to do that. And those of you who have, thank you so much. Uh, don't forget, register for the life groups. That's uh, living in fellowship with everyone. And I certainly want to encourage you to do that. Uh, each of our sermons, if you download them, they have discussion questions so that you can look at how you can apply the messages in your life on a weekly basis. But you can also use those as discussion questions uh, on your job, uh, coffee shop, wherever you meet with other people. Um, I, I knew one person who sent me a letter and they thanked me. Uh, their family came to the church and they would mail them the outline and they would get it and they were doing Bible study uh, in other parts of the country. And so you can use those outlines for that as well. Uh, next week we have Mother's Day and our plan is to do parking lot praise. Now, for those of you who may not be able to get to the parking lot, we will still be here 
online, virtually, on the digital platform. So don't worry if you can't make it out for Mother's Day or you choose not to or if it's raining or whatever the case may be, we're going to be here for Mother's Day. But for those of you who would like to come out, we will be doing parking lot praise if the Lord says the same and the creek don't rise and the rain doesn't fall. We will be out in the parking lot on the second Sunday in May for Mother's Day, two services, 8 a.m. and 10 a.m., 8 a.m. and 10 a.m., and we're looking forward to God blessing us. And, of course, we will be here at our regularly scheduled times. I want to uh, ask you to pray for us, um, pray for our church. Um, and, and I want to share this with you. And, man, I, you know, th- th- there comes a point in time when, when, when you hear God and you know you're hearing God very clearly. And we've had several moments in our church history uh, that I can account for and testify to where it was very clear that God did it. No question that God did it. And I believe everybody, in order to really walk by faith, you, you have to have some God did it moments. And I believe we're at a God did it moment right now. Um, we had a God did it moment when we tried to get the first piece of the promised land. And God allowed us to get a piece of property that was originally offered at $1.4 million. We were able to get that property for around $500,000. That was a God did it moment. No question. And those of you who were here, I remember that watch night service when we walked out and we walked around the promised land. We couldn't walk in it But we laid our hands on the fence and we prayed because that's what God told me to do, to pray. And I told you all that night, I said, man, we don't have any money. And several people chuckled. I said, we don't have any money to pay for this property, but I believe God is telling me to lead us to pray. And when we prayed, God answered prayer. We got a piece of property that was being sold at $5.1 million dollars. And we got it for 2.1 million. It was the favor of God. That's all it was. It was the favor of God. And God reminded me in the midst of everything that's going on, this is a God did it moment. In other words, if God doesn't do it, it's not going to get done. So I need you all to pray. Here's what I want you to pray about. As you know, our property in Fourth Ward, formerly called Freedman's Town, then fourth ward now it's called midtown gentrifiers have come in and we've been in a legal battle for the last seven years over the sale of our property the contract expired we decided not to sell it and we were sued by a lady who was going to make us extend the contract and make us sell it to her and we went to court after several years and we were victorious in the court then she filed an appeal and the court decision was overturned at the appellate level and so now we have to decide if we're going to continue to fight or if we're going to acquiesce and I want you to pray for us because we're we're praying for wisdom and guidance Um, those of you who know like the old folks would say the words and the worth of prayer I need you to pray for our leadership, pray for our church, pray for this situation. Those of you who know our church, those of you who are members of our church, 
You know I'm not a, a, a fancy preacher. You know I don't have a lot. I don't need a lot. Uh, you know my commitment to this community. Uh, part of those proceeds that we were looking at to eventually sell the property, we wanted to use to take our food bank from five, 600,000 pounds of food a year to 5 million pounds of food a year. That's our commitment. How we can take the promised land and use it not only to help change lives spiritually, but to help change lives economically. That's our commitment. And this was going to help us get on the road to doing that. And so I just need you all to pray. I need you all to pray that God's will is done. I need you to pray that God would do something God-sized that only God will get the glory from. And I've got to tell you, God has already been doing some tremendous things. He's already been moving on the hearts of people. He's already giving us favor with people. So I don't, I don't question that God is moving. I want you to pray. Remember, when we pray for that property, I told you God is going to do something great. And here's what we learn. When God can do it for one, we know God can do it for two because there's no secret what God can do. What God has done for others, he can do the same thing for you. All right? Listen, God bless you and God keep you. Um, just pray for us. Pray for me. We look forward to seeing you next week. And remember, when you get to a place where your belief is being tested, you can go to God and say, Lord, help my unbelief and watch God step in. For me, God taught me that I needed to pray more because my unbelief was being fueled by my lack of commitment to pray to God like I needed to. And I got to tell you, God's been doing some great things in the midst of it, not just around me, but even more importantly, in me. I hope God does the same thing in you. All right? Listen, God is doing something wonderful in you. God is doing something wonderful in me. And let's keep on letting God have his way. All right? Until next time, God bless is my prayer.